San Diegans are getting closer to having a say about how they are surveilled. A city council committee approved a new set of guidelines that provides limits on how surveillance technology is used in the city. The move comes after the city installed sensors on lampposts in various San Diego neighborhoods on the promise that it would improve traffic, but in actuality, only the police use them. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Terry Figueroa, you're on the public safety team of the Union Tribune, and you've been covering this story from the beginning. I think we kind of need to explain how we got here, because this is kind of a wild story. What is this Smart Streetlights program, and how did it come to be in the first place? Hey, hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. So, yes, this this uh, story does uh, step back a, a little bit, a couple, couple of years, actually. Um I'll start very briefly with the newest news, which is um, yesterday, a San Diego um, city committee um, did approve a, an ordinance that says, hey, we need tighter rules and oversight as to all surveillance, all types of surveillance in the city of San Diego that, that San Diego controls. Um, and that is born out of something that happened a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, the city of San Diego um, entered into an agreement to put um, sensors on streetlights all around the city. There's these days there's more than 3000 and they are in the public right of way. It's about 5% of the city. Mm -hmm. And the plan was these are very cool sensors that can uh, tell you uh, they can monitor parking and transportation whether or not there's a lot of traffic, whether there's a lot of pedestrians. It was really mobility. But even more than that, when this first came up, we're going to um, have what we call smart streetlights. This was back in December 2016. Um, This was sold entirely as, hey, we're going to put some LED lights in here. It's going to save us a ton of energy and a ton of money, maybe $125,000 a month. And that got um, the thumbs up from the city council, and those were installed. Later came the revelation that these smart streetlights actually had all of these sensors that could measure mobility, parking, like I said, and and, uh, uh, other mobility issues. And the way that's done is with cameras. There are actually cameras in those lights. And somewhere along the way in... 2018, San Diego police went, hey, there's cameras in those streetlights. And so they started talking to the city about being able to access those lights. And they actually did get to start doing that in August of 2018. They have used those lights immediately in in that particular time to look at, um, to see if there was any footage of a homicide that had happened in, in downtown San Diego. They've been using those light, those uh, cameras for a few cases along the way. And somewhere along the line in 2019, people went, hey, there's cameras in those streetlights. And people started to worry, wait a minute, is there a mass surveillance network in San Diego? Who's looking at these lights? There's cameras. Who's looking at them? What are you using them for? Where are these cameras? And that really started, I would say, an organized opposition at least pushing back, saying we, the public, want more information about these cameras in these streetlights. And so that began a closer look at at 
all kinds of surveillance in the city, but primarily it started with those those smart streetlights. Yeah, we've heard promises like this in the past. Uh, you hear it a lot with 5G technology, the idea that we can have Internet of Things, so it tells you exactly where you can park, the fastest way to get someplace, like AI reads your Starbucks order or whatever, but in actuality, that rarely comes to fruition because having all those parts come together is a lot harder than you think. So it makes sense that it just kind of sat there for a couple of years and the police were like, oh, hey, we have this. Let's use it. So it's kind of that perfect scenario of this wasn't the intent, but that was the result simply because we didn't have the technology to make that promise that was made by this company that, you know, had a pretty good marketing PR strategy. Well, you know, it's funny because this was exactly an Internet of, Internet of Things idea. And uh, yeah, the idea was we're going to put all of this uh, metadata, not the, not the raw data, but the metadata gathered from these streetlights up for public use. And companies can access this metadata and make apps. And maybe people can figure out how to where to park or, or you know, what's the, the fastest traffic route or where are the best bike routes. Um, that, at least as of March, had not come to fruition. So, yeah, but but these cameras in these streetlights, they... They do exist, and they have been used in policing methods. And and police are, are uh, they hail them as you know, these are game changing. We they have used them to solve and make arrests, solve crimes, make arrests. Uh, probably most notably, folks might remember back last August there was a shooting at a church's chicken mm-hmm. in uh, Otay Mesa. A uh, three employees were shot, one fatally. And the shooter got in his car and drove away. San Diego police were able to use these surveillance, I'm sorry, not surveillance, cameras in these uh, streetlights to see that suspect and and get a beat on, on maybe who he was. And ultimately, that led to an arrest, identifying a suspect and, and an arrest. These streetlights cameras have been used in a number of, of crimes and homicide among them. So they've also um, caught images of of um, police encounters with people that have turned fatal, most notably and, and recently um, there was a shooting uh, that turned out to be a, a fatal shooting on uh, 6th Street in, uh, in San Diego near B Street and actually near the Union Tribune building. Mm-hmm where a suspect police said a suspect had pulled a gun from his waistband when they, when they confronted him and that suspect was ultimately fatally shot in that encounter, street lights, cameras caught that encounter and police released that to the public. So these, these uh, street lights definitely have been used. These cameras definitely have been used in a, in a public safety fashion, but mm-hmm. people have had the serious, concern about, well, wait a minute, there's cameras in the sky. There's eyes in the sky. Who are Who is looking at them? What are you doing with this information? And mm-hmm. so that led to a lot of pushback and a lot of concern. And there's there's two separate tracks, really, of, of what the, the concern that I saw um, that really cropped up out of this. There was folks who were clearly concerned about a, a mass surveillance. Who are you looking at? How are you using this information? Could this be used in um, civil civil rights abuses? So that's mm-hmm. that's clearly one track where people are extremely concerned. The other track where people were concerned was um, tech folks who said, "Wait a minute! All of this this data 
somebody's making a ton of money off of San Diego's data. They're going to mine this, and what are they getting? And and let's talk about this data and its gathering and the ethics of that. And so there's really, like I said, these two sort of, of groups that are pushing back. And um, a lot of that came together in a coalition that's called uh, Trust San Diego Coalition. And so it's, gosh, I want to say 30, you know, organizations that, that came together and, and pushed back against these these lights. So what happened to bring this all to fruition with the city council committee yesterday was after this pushback really started to, to catch momentum, mm-hmm. um, the city of San Diego and everyone said, you know what? Okay, let, let's get a policy. Let's make a public policy as to how we deal with the data from these streetlights, who gets access to looking at the raw footage. Who, let's Let's have some some policy that governs all of this. The city wrote a policy, brought that to this city council subcommittee uh, last January. And the committee said, you know what? No, this does not go far enough. We don't want to talk just about surveillance or, I mean, uh, streetlights. We want to talk about surveillance of all kinds, whether it's facial ID or drones any surveillance that San Diego um, City has its hands on, access to, acquires, we want policies governing all of it, not just the streetlights. Mm-hmm. So that was January. That that direction was given to the city. The city came back um, earlier this week, yesterday, and, and said, okay, here's, here's our, our plan, here's our policy. And the people that sat down at that table to make this new overarching uh, surveillance policy included some of those folks that were, were from Trust San Diego and uh, the people that were pushing back had a seat at that table and they helped craft this, this it's not even a policy, it's ordinances. It's two ordinances. Mm-hmm. There's one ordinance that actually would lay out the rules as to how surveillance is governed in San Diego. Um, the overarching rules that we would have to look at. The second ordinance creates a privacy advocacy commission. And that commission is made up of tech experts and community folks who are are really experts in, you know, knowing what's happening in their communities, on the streets in their communities and um, others. And they all come together and they review all of this surveillance stuff. If the city, say, wants to purchase something, that has to come to this committee or commission for a review. And that that commission gets to say, hey, we're concerned about this, or hey, this part is great, and maybe we should do more of this. So this would create those two separate things. There would be the ordinance for governance and the ordinance creating the the commission. Mm -hmm. The city council committee yesterday said, yes, unanimously. We're We're on board with both of those. That now will eventually make its way to the city council in full. The timing on that is is very unclear, but um, at least for this point, this was a huge win for the people who raised their hands and said, what, there's cameras in our streetlights? You're surveilling us? Is that what's happening here? Mm-hmm. So this, was, this really came down as a win for those folks. Certainly, and it's worth noting that San Diego is one of the most surveilled places in America because we're on the Mexican border. We have multiple military bases. We have giant tech hubs. 
pretty much every government agency that does any form of surveillance is here in San Diego. So it kind of makes sense that this would happen here just because of all of those factors. So this is really a major step forward towards establishing kind of the, the rules when it comes to privacy. Because when you let algorithms or just kind of purely data-driven thinking make these decisions, that's when instances of bias can come through because, you know, an algorithm is as biased as the person who writes it. And I think that's kind of why we've seen civil rights people really speak up. And I think that's also why Councilwoman Marsha Montgomery has been the champion of this, because equity has been one of her main kind of pursuits at a time at the council. And when do you explain exactly her position and her role uh, in crafting these new rules and ordinances? Well, she is actually chair of this committee. Uh, Councilwoman Monica Montgomery is, is, is chair of this committee. It's the Public Safety and Livable Neighborhoods Committee, mm-hmm. which is a mouthful. But they uh, this consists of uh, a few city council members, four city council members, and um, they you know look at some of these smaller issues that eventually make their way to the city council. Um, and and she as the chair was one of the people who said, hold on, I want something a little bit different, a little bit better back in January. And um, the folks from the, the woman that I spoke to who works, um, worked on some of these, she helped craft these policies. She has assisted with um, Trust San Diego and she's a, a professor, college professor. And she um, specifically said, you know, I, I said, you guys got a seat at the table. And she said, without Councilwoman Montgomery, there wouldn't have been a table. So, mm-hmm. you know, she felt like like she really wanted to credit, trust San Diego did a lot of work, but but she really wanted to credit um, uh, Councilwoman Montgomery for really pushing this. And Councilwoman Montgomery has um, really created, uh, she, she's really taken a stand on a lot of these, of these issues um, with policing. And mm-hmm. she has created what she has, has called a um, roadmap for uh reimagining policing and public safety, which, you know, in and of itself is, is something that we can certainly chat about at another time, but it, it is, um, she is definitely on the forefront of, of wanting to look at issues. Mm-hmm. And also right now, when it comes to policing, we're at a very interesting time in which the black lives movement and people are, uh, arguing for abolishing the police and reforming how policing works this all happened relatively recently while, um, you know, the reform when it comes to these surveillance cameras has been going on since the beginning of the year. But how do you think this new political reality we're in where people are saying, you're policing me in a way that I don't want to be policed, this has to change. How do you think that will factor into the discussion when it comes to, you know, surveillance? Because surveillance is a form of policing. Well, I'll tell you, when... Um with San Diego in particular, with looking at the, the surveillance, I'm sorry, the camera footage, um, and, and police have been very careful to say, look, we're not surveilling. We do not do this live. We only are reactive when there is an incident that brings us back to needing to look at, at something. Mm-hmm. Um, they have very, they have self-delineated rules for when they can look at something. Now, we at the Union Tribune went ahead and took a look at, let me shut this, make it quieter. Um, we actually went, my, my colleague Lindsay Winkley and I took a look at <clears throat> where these 3,000 cameras are. Are they fairly and equitably distributed throughout the city? And mm-hmm. what we found was of these 3,000, um, in terms of the, the uh, 
placement of the cameras, which the city says was done really for mobility reasons, not for public safety um, in terms of policing, but mobility, um, you know, looking at traffic, looking at pedestrians, looking at bicycles. Um, we found that when it came to, to the um, ratio of where the cameras were to uh, the population, the cameras were essentially um, there was no heavier amount in neighborhoods of color. It was pretty equally distributed um, in terms of, of their racial, um, for example, mm-hmm. among the, the city residents who live near a camera, 46% are white, 25% Hispanic, um, 20, 18% Asian, and 6% were black. This is what we found back in March. Um, that is not so far off of San Diego's population. You've got 42% white, 30% Latino, 17% Asian, and 6% black. Um, 5% other races for both where the cameras are and the, the population. So it wasn't there wasn't huge, huge disparities. But what we did find was that when police were accessing cameras to look at um, incidents, after the fact, to look and see if there was footage of a crime, those tended to be in more in neighborhoods of, of, of color and communities of color. So we, we definitely did look at that. Um, and that certainly ties into the argument that communities of color are over-policed. Therefore, it would make sense that police would use that tool whenever they need to in those communities. But, you know, it, it, the, the police are very clear. They said, look, this isn't we weren't targeting those communities. This is where the incident happened. This is why we are looking in that at that camera in this incident. So, you know, they, they weren't they were saying we are not proactively going and looking at those. We are looking at when an incident happens. Was there a camera that caught it? Now, most of the uh, uh, a, a, these cameras are most dense in downtown San Diego, which makes sense in terms of uh, mobility, because the city put them in to look at parking, like I said, you know, so somebody could create an app and could show you if there was available parking or where there might be a spot open. Um, They wanted to look at mobility in terms of traffic, in terms of bicycles, in terms of pedestrians. So a lot of these cameras are downtown. Some of the crimes that they've captured have been downtown. There was a a shooting of an Alpha Project security guard in East Village, and um, police did access street cameras for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after all this time, and these have been up for years, do you think the city's ever going to make anything when it comes to mobility off of these things? Because that's how they were sold. That's how they were put up. They obviously haven't done that yet. We're losing a lot of money because of COVID-19. I understand that's probably not going to happen next fiscal year. But do you think that eventually that will come to fruition? Or do you think they're just waiting for some angel investor to write some kind of app that we'll have in 2030 or whatever? Boy, I have gotten out of the crystal ball business. I have, I, I could not tell you, um, but I do know that that uh, um, there there is a lot of metadata that the city had had gathered, and 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 uh, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with it. Certainly, and then there's information that could be used for something. Hopefully, someone uses it for good and not for evil. Fair enough. All right, Terry Figueroa, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In other news, the fire aboard the Bonhomme Richard is finally out. The blaze lasted four days, sending acrid-smelling smoke into the region. 
The Navy still does not know the cause of the fire, but the current theory points to cardboard stored at the lower level of the ship. Because the ship is undergoing repairs, it doesn't have its full crew on it, nor did it have the system running that could have prevented a fire. In the outbreak, another 409 COVID-19 cases were confirmed by the county Thursday, bringing the region's case count to 21,885. A record number of deaths were also confirmed. There were 17 more, bringing the death toll to 465. Another community outbreak was discovered Thursday, this one occurring in a gym. The county has 14 active outbreaks, which is double the triggering number of seven. The county is also struggling to contact trace. Only 37% of positives were contacted. The goal is at least 71%. The state's threshold of no more than 100 cases per every 100,000 residents is also being reached. There are currently 153.2 per 100,000. Also, the San Diego Union Tribune is hosting a contest to create the best public service announcement to remind people to stop the spread of COVID-19. We're soliciting listeners like you to come up with the best PSA for print, digital, or video. The winner of the contest will get a grand prize of $2,500, and their PSA will be published in the UT in various formats. The winner will also have an opportunity to be a guest on Fox 5 San Diego's Morning News. You have until August 16th to submit. For more details, go to uniontrip.com slash stop the spread. Until next time.